If you want to listen to this episode or any of our episodes ad-free, you can do that now. Head on over to Patreon. Click on the ad-free level. You get all of our bonus shows that you've been hearing so much about. Plus, every single day, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, and Friday, you can listen to this episode or any of our other episodes at the same time, ad-free, over on Patreon. I am so excited to share with you today this fun, fun chat, Blast from the Past. We originally aired this last year, Mr. Chaz Dean. It's a long weekend. I want to share this with you. It's another one of our gems that I think is lost on the back feed. Now, it's a long weekend. Hope everyone had a great summer. I had a great summer in the Hamptons. Chaz, you know because you've seen him on Flipping Out with Jeff Lewis, but we cover it all, how he became one of the top celebrity hairstylists in L.A., he's worked on Alyssa Milano and Brooke Shields, Nicolette Sheridan. Yep, we talk Nicolette. We talk Rena. He knows them all, guys. He did a lot of the stuff for 90210, Tori Spelling and Shannon Doherty and Jenny Garth. Yes, I said Rena. He's also close with Lisa Vanderpump. We cover it all. So stay tuned. If you've heard this before, listen to it again. Or it's a great day to join our Patreon. You guys up on your weekends with Kim D, which is really our most popular day of the week. Saturdays with Kim D, everyone. But today, we share this blast from the past chat with the one and only Mr. Chaz Dean. Hey, everyone. This is David. Welcome back behind the velvet rope. Let's just get right into it today because we are joined by the one, the only, Mr. Chaz Dean. Hello. Hey, how you doing? What's going on? How are you? <laughs> oh, my life is just a whole, so different from anything we've ever experienced, ever, ever, ever in, in our history, in our uh, history. Right? I mean, so what have you been doing? Like, you're, you're, in, you're in LA, right? Yeah. Yeah, I'm in LA. Our salon has opened, closed, opened, closed, and I think one more opened, closed, and we just closed down. Last Saturday was our last day. They say for three weeks, but I'm being realistic because we know our numbers are worse now than they were back in March, April, and at that time, they said two weeks, then it was four weeks, then it was eight weeks, and it just kept growing. So I don't believe, and you know, I'm just being realistic because I don't want to set myself up for failure. Unfortunately, unless people start taking this much more seriously, and I wish they would, because I have from day one, and mostly all my friends have, but it's those that are like, no, is this hoax? Is this this? No, it's not. It's worldwide, guys. Listen, pay attention. Um, I say follow the countries that are doing it and doing it well. Let's do what they're doing. Yeah, right? Because I mean, this <laughs> isn't, it just is extending it. And I don't know, like for me, because I mean, I work at home, it's different, but it just makes no difference. It's like, we've already done it. We've already been home. Yeah. So like the shock is over. Like we've all well, learned we how to do it. it. 
but we're all over it. I'm sure you're over it. I honestly do say, because I'm thankful and lucky enough, I'm in the hills. I get to go outside my home. I get to walk my dogs up in the hills and mask, obviously. When I see people that aren't, it does get me like, oh my God, you're, you're the reason. You're the reason we're still in this. Um, it is frustrating. It really is. But it's like, you know, you just, you got to do what you can do. But the element is, is I do look at New York because I'm opening a salon there. Well, it should have been open already, but because of this, not yet. But I do, I know you guys are in smaller apartments when I, and I do feel even worse for that because I know I've gotten through this because of my dogs and nature for me. But I do feel for those that are, like you said, in apartments and whatnot, and you've gotten used to it the best you can. You've dealt with it the best you can, but I'm grateful for the elements I have. And I do, like I feel for the ones that are locked in apartments and so forth, and you don't have that luxury of getting out into nature as much. And that's true. And what's going on? Because I know you were opening a New York salon. Like that was supposed to happen. It's really because of COVID that that hasn't happened. Because I remember the timing on that was kind of happening. Yeah. The crazy part is I closed escrow on that. It's a building from 1845. So it's landmark. I closed escrow on it on in September of 2015, five years wow. ago. It took almost three years to get through all the landmark. It takes a really long time. And you're in this really long line and they tell you, don't change anything because if you do, you start at the back of the line. I'm like, okay, we'll just continue the way we're going. But the point is it took almost three years to get through landmark approvals. And then once we did the building, I honestly think they've done amazing. I'm so proud of them. It's um, the contractors that we hired don't have one complaint. They know it. I'm like, I'm doing, I'm doing uh, construction over here. I'm like, if I could transport you out here, you were such a breeze. Me not being local, me being on the West Coast, I'm so proud of them. They did an amazing job. It was gutted from the inside out. The outside, I was lucky because it was landmark. So I was able to get the larger windows, which it used to have. Because when I bought it, it honestly was a mess. It was a mess. I'm surprised it was standing. Um, it's four stories. It had air conditioner units in there. They made smaller windows. So I had to turn it back to what it was in the furthest picture they could find back in time, which was in the early 1900s. So it gave me larger windows. It gave me those Juliet balconies. I'm oh, grateful wow. for that. So a lot of good came out of it. But again, it was supposed to do to open on May 1st of, of 2020, which would have been my my, 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 my 27 year anniversary opened my first salon in Hollywood. So it would have been beautiful. And it was a great statement. It was 27 years of giving up lathering opening my first salon, COVID hit. Then we thought, well, maybe September of 2020, that's its five year anniversary of closing escrow with COVID hit. It's like, I'm a slave to COVID at this point. It's pretty much ready to open. We have our salon manager. She's here right now training with us. Um, she's been doing great. We're very proud of her. She's actually going home this week because of the shutdown here. There's no need because we're shut down. So she's going to go back there and she's going to be on the ground and get set up and do the interviews and whatnot. So we're interviewing literally receptionists and um, stylists and assistants and housekeepers and everything. So wow. she's going to be on the ground doing what she can. And we're ready to open once COVID's behind us and it's safe to open, honestly. Where in New York? Isn't it going to be on Greenwich Street or am I just yeah. Yeah, no, you're right. It's in Greenwich Village. So the West Village is at 59 Greenwich Avenue. And it's right across the street from Meatballs. And the funny part about that is, mm, is I like that. 
It's so good. Last year, I, I became vegan last year. So I'm a little over a year vegan. And last year I had just become vegan. And I go to uh, my friends who I've known since I was 13 when we moved to California. They're Italian, true Italians. And they cook Italian dinner. And she's like, I don't know what you're, I'm like, it's fine. Don't worry about me. I'll eat salad. I'll eat veggies. I don't care. She's like, no, no, no. We really want to have something for you. Because before I was pescatarian, they had to try and find that. Um, so the point is, is I showed up there that day and she goes, oh my gosh, you're gonna be so happy we found this recipe. His name is Rocky, Rocky Serena, total Italian. She goes, Rocky found this recipe from a restaurant in New York called Meatballs and they have vegan meatballs. I'm like, that sounds really familiar. I'm like, Joanne, my sister, I'm like, doesn't, isn't that on the same street as us? And I said, I feel like it's on the same street as us. The next time we went to New York to visit the salon, it's not only on the same street, it is right in front of my salon. It's right across the street and we eat there now every time we go there. But she said they have vegan meatballs and ever since they launched their vegan meatballs, that's become like one of their most popular items. Like people love it. And everyone that was at the dinner, they all eat meat and they're all meat eaters. But she goes, I'm noticing that everyone's eating the vegan meatballs. You guys are loving these vegan meatballs. Like it's mushrooms and it's this and that. Of course it's good. So it's funny. You don't have to be vegan. Vegan life is very different. I know we didn't go there, but vegan life is very different now than what it used to be. There's so many more options now. And it's the me, it's a responsible thing to do. If you're on that, if you're ready to make that change, it's a really responsible thing to do. Yeah, a lot of the vegan food is good. And I know, so I live in Chelsea, so I know right where, I'll have to walk by where the salon is. Yeah, I'm right I across the street from meatballs. Interesting. It's yeah, it's beautiful. It did not look like that. And we'll do befores and afters of what it looked like before, but it was an old building. It was a mess. It was run down. When they tore it down, I'm like, how do you do this and have it? Because it's a basement and we built out the basement. We were able to build the basement out to the property line, which we were able to build out the first floor all the way to the property line, which gave us more space. But it also gave us an outdoor deck on the second floor, which is the salon space. So, oh, wow. And it has a skylight in it. So it gives light down to the floor below. We were able to get so much out of it, especially knowing it was landmarked and so forth. And again, it took them about a little under two years for them to do what they did they were really quick considering it was gutted out and you wonder how is it not going to collapse with steel beams but to watch the process and it happened and digging out in the basement and digging out to the property line like how are they going to do this and to see it finished now it, it's beautiful I'm so proud of it picking out all the you know the fixtures for it and seeing it come together now I'm like I'm really excited and you got to figure I've been watching it now from almost Nine, nine months away from afar on, on live streaming and whatnot. So I can't wait to see the parts that I've seen finished now and the finishes come together in person. That must be so hard just to like go through. I mean, I've done it in like personal residences, but like for a business, that must just be so hard, like five years and then like, you know, and just, just patiently <laughs> waiting for your salon to open. Not yeah. even from like a business financial point of view, but just like, let's get this going, people. Yeah, and and, that, and then people, the good part is, is I believe it's going to do great because um, our brand has been out 20 years now. We've been mm -hmm. worldwide. Um, it's a known brand. I've been on QVC going on my 16th year. Half, half of my customer base is East Coast, half West Coast, and then in the middle. But it's like every time someone go by, goes by, even from the when I first purchased five years ago, they're like, what's going to be here? Oh my gosh, when's it going to open? So 
I know that buzz is there. And I know people that are on the East Coast, sorry, that are up from New Hampshire in Vermont and Virginia and all across there. It's like, oh my gosh, you're just like a two hour train ride or a two hour driveway. I can't wait to go. So we're excited for that. And the other part, the downside is, is we had been planning for an opening. We were going to actually do a street party and all that. I mean, we oh, had wow. a half performers. It was going to be incredible what we were going to do and then COVID hit and it's like clearly we're not going to be able to do that now but it will still be a bang but we had it all planned out it was going to be amazing but life took a turn you know ripped the carpet out from under us it did and speaking of Vermont you're from Vermont originally right yeah (laughs) yeah I am um I was adopted I was born in Vermont um, I had a brother, I had an older brother and an old, younger sister, and we were all adopted from Vermont, basically two years apart, each of us. And um, yeah, I, it's weird because I remember telling my mom when I was younger, I said, Mom, I remember, I was probably a teenager, and I remember telling her the experience of what it felt like when we went, and I was only two when we picked up my baby sister, two, two years and three months old. And I remember describing it to her, she's like, I don't know how you could remember that, because I remember it being a low lit, like, um, a bay window and candle lit and low dimly lit. She goes, yeah, what you're describing is absolutely right where we stayed when we went to pick up. But I don't know how you could remember that. It's just something that maybe because it was such an impactful thing that we're going to pick up our baby sister, it just stuck with me. But I can close my eyes and feel the essence of what that room felt like at two wow. years old. And I honestly, I don't remember things when I was three, four, five. But the fact that I remember that at two, I guess, because it was such a you know, a pivotal point of getting a baby sister and going to Vermont. We always thought you got babies from Vermont, our family. Really? Babies come from Vermont. <laughs> well, you re- I mean, yeah, it's amazing to remember it because I remember like, I don't know, like nothing from my childhood, basically. A lot of my other stuff I don't, but that one I do, which is really bizarre. Really Interesting. Bizarre. I'll admit it. As important it is for me to eat healthy and put the right nutrients into my body and hydrate, I'm really not great at it. I'm always on the go. I'm never making that a priority and I'm always hungry. This was a real problem until I discovered 310 Nutrition. I love 310 Nutrition's water hydrators. You just add them to water and they make your water taste so much better. They also have refreshing lemonade mixes. My personal favorite, they're all in one shakes. I love their caramel sundae, their vanilla cake, the shamrock cream. I drink one of these shakes and it totally satisfies my hunger. They're low in fat and low carbs, which I love. They also satisfy my carb craving. But don't take my word for it. Right now, 310 is celebrating a new year of goals with code VELVETROPE and giving our listeners 50% off up to $100 off your first order. With so many sample packs, new products, it's really fun and it's easy to put together an order or start a subscription on products you know you'll use. Go to 310nutrition.com and use the code VELVETROPE right now for 50% up to $100 for your first order. That's 310nutrition.com and use code VELVETROPE. You know, I've said it before and I'll say it again. I love this freaking audience. Now, you guys know I've been talking about Dane products for a few weeks now. And you know what? You guys are not just listening. You guys are purchasing. And I know this because you're all slipping into my DMs, ladies, and telling me which Dane products you like the best and what you're doing with them. TMI, but you know what? Feel free to share because we're all family here, right? For anyone that hasn't heard yet or hasn't purchased, what are you waiting for? Dame products are designed to make you feel so good. 
It's really just that simple. I mean, who in life doesn't want to feel good? And there's so many options to choose from, like the Eva, which is a wearable couple's vibrator for hands-free fun. There's the Air, which stimulates with air pulses, well, to help get you there. There's the Palm, it's pleasure in the palm of your hand. So many options, ladies. So listen, by listening to this podcast, you can go to dameproducts.com and you use code VELVETROPE to take 15% off your first order. That's right, 15% off at dameproducts.com with code VELVETROPE. And yes, just like everyone else, once you purchase any of these products, feel free to slip into my DMs and tell me all about it. Enjoy, ladies. And did you always like, so growing up, were you always creative? Like, did you always like know you wanted to do something with hair or design? Like, where does that start? Always creative, always artistic. My sister and I were both the same way. I mean, coloring, drawing, anything creative, the two of us. My brother was the opposite. He was the older brother. He was tearing toys apart and this motorcycles and cars and bicycles apart and put he wanted to know how things work and tear them apart and put them back together my sister and i were always drawing coloring painting anything like that i remember my sister if i don't remember if you remember those magazines those highlight magazines and they would have a draw this picture and send it in and when she would do it and my mom even didn't believe she's like no you trace that she's like no i didn't she's like do it again in front of me my sister wow. really is talented as well so we both had that gene um just anything to me with nature or pets or creative um but always that hair wise no the joke is my sister would tell me that um, I used to cut her doll's hair when we were kids. And I, I was under the age of 13 because we were still in Pennsylvania when it happened. I would cut her doll's hair. I would dress her doll. So it was creative stuff like that. Is it going to be a fashion designer or something? I didn't know it was going to be a hairstylist. Um, but cutting her doll's hair and sometimes like cutting long hair into a bob or something. It's like, you messed up my doll's hair. And then as we got older and we moved to California, because we moved from Pennsylvania to California when I was 13 and a half, um, I remember when I was dating my girlfriend, she said, my girlfriend wanted a haircut and Joanne said, my sister was younger. She's like, I can do it. She was only in middle school. She's like, I can, I'll do it for you. So my girlfriend's hair started out long and it was uneven, 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 uneven. <laughs> I have the pictures that I posted. We both ended up with the same haircut. We went to our winter formal with that feathered hair about this length and we had the exact same haircut. I'm like, you realize you you cut Diane's hair so short. And she was such a trooper, she didn't say anything. And then one day my sister asked me, hey, would you cut my hair? I'm like, I don't know how to cut hair. Because I didn't, I was in high school. I'm like, I don't know how to cut hair. She goes, I'll talk you into it. So I, I did it, I started then, but I still didn't start hair. What I did is I took photography through high school for two and a half years. And that to me, well, everyone finds what their niche is in high school, I think. And mine was photography. It was my comfort zone, it was my safe zone. I honestly, I wasn't, I was an average student, like C student. I would get D, Cs, and maybe a B if I was lucky. Um, and I would ditch class and I would go into photography room and I'd be developing photos in there. And she was a cool teacher, um, Diana Woolley, Mrs. Woolley. And she would write you a note. He was here, he was working here. And it just was my passion. And she challenged you. She challenged you to look at composition. She would give you a, a challenge and everyone turned theirs in. And she would tell you what you did that was great. She would tell you what you need to improve upon. And she really gave me an eye for, I believe, attention to detail and paying attention and looking at composition of everything. And that's why I feel I see everything now. People are like, you notice and see everything. I'm like, yeah, I, I really do. But wow. I think it came from that. And because of that, it was after high school that 
a week later, my family moved from California, which I loved, to Arizona, which I didn't want to go to, but I was still 17, so I had to go. So I went there and I thought, well, I'm going to take photography courses because I love photography. So I took a photography course, and when I graduated from that, um, I was 18, and I planned on moving back to California because I'm like, it was my dream. And I felt like this tiny little fish in this whole huge pond. And I'm like, I wanted more experience under my belt. So I thought I'm gonna go to school for hair because I want to incorporate hair into my photography. Like I can tell a hairstyle, here's what my vision is, a makeup artist, here's what my vision is, but they're never gonna get quite what I see in my head. Like they'll be closer, yeah, that's okay, that's good, we'll go with that. But because of how particular I was, I'm like, I need to create this myself, the hair, the makeup, and shoot it myself. So I went to school for hair. I learned makeup at the same time in school. The whole time I was in beauty school in Arizona, everyone knew that when he graduates, he's moving back to California. I had no intention of staying in Arizona at all. Um, so I graduated all through beauty school. I took my before and afters of people, their before shot, their after shot. And I had a friend who moved from Arizona to California and she was a receptionist at Fidel Sassoon. And she said to me, cause she knew my dream was I'm graduating. I'm going to go and work for Riddell Sassoon. Cause he was like the everything. Yeah. And so she said, I can get you the interview. I'll get your foot in the door. The rest is up to you. I'm like, that's all I need. Just get me an interview. So she did. I came with my portfolio. I went through my interview. It all felt like it went great. At the end of the interview, they asked me, do you want to color? Or you want to cut? And I'm like, well, I want to do both. They're like, well, we specialize here. You got to choose one or the other. And I'm like, damn, knowing I'm a photographer, knowing I do makeup, knowing I do hair, it's everything to me. And in my mind, I thought, I can't imagine only coloring hair and not cutting it. I can't imagine cutting hair and not coloring it. It goes hand in hand for me. So I said, I'm going to, I don't know who says it, but I told them, I'm going to have to think about this and get back to you. And you don't usually do that with it else as soon. Because I really did. I couldn't pick. So I opted out of that. And I went to a salon that at the time, it was in the Beverly Center. And it was the artistic center. It was a hub buzz. It was a buzz place. It was called Carlton, the Beverly Center. And it was the place to be. I went and I interviewed there and they hired me. But what I realized is they hired me for their Century City Salon, which is no offense, but it's very conservative. It's all three-piece suit men and, uh, you know, conservative women. I'm like, not where I wanted to be at the time. And I, I took the job, but the first week we had class, they do class and it was in Westwood and I showed up and the instructor like, who are you? Are you new? I've never seen you before. I said, well, I interviewed and they hired me. I thought they were hiring me for Beverly Center, but they hired me for Century City and it's my first week there. And I really want to be at Beverly Center. He said, let me see what I can do. And I, I found out he was the manager of Beverly Center. So the next day they transferred me to Beverly Center where I wanted to be. So it wow. all started there. Um, I started out with a shoestring budget at $3,000. Rent was like $600 and I, that's all I had and making minimum wage. I'm like, I've got to hustle this. So I did the program like really quick and it was like five models a week, check your models and check through it. So, um, that's how I got into that. And I probably went way overboard with you, but no, <laughs> were you ever like, I should have taken that job at Vidal Sassoon or cause like you said, no, no one says no, really. No, the reason being is because I can't imagine to this day only coloring hair, only cutting hair. And many people do. And within the salon I worked at in Carlton, 
it was you did everything. You didn't have to. They didn't make you color if you didn't want to, but everyone cut. But if you weren't a colorist and whatnot, you didn't want to do it, you didn't have to. Um, but everyone did. And to me, that's more well-rounded. Because say you put in a beautiful color and you send it someone to cut, and that highlight that you put that you loved exactly where it was, or that piece of color that you loved where it was, all of a sudden you see the cut and you're like, shit you cut that piece out i love that piece or vice versa you didn't color the piece i expected was going to be so for me it just went hand in hand i never did but the other part i did do is we and our team always continued education with sassoon 100 because they are they're incredible they're incredible he was a, a force of nature he was a legend and so yeah we continued for years because you never stop learning you know you teach classes you go to classes it never stops but you know, we did color classes, cutting classes through them, because I 100% still believed in them, you know, especially when he was around. It changed some when he stepped out, but they still had incredible instructors and teachers there and educators there. So, yeah. Yeah. So then you worked your way up, like you did the starve, you know, not starving, but you had lean years when you were first yes, starting you didn't out. Say starving, that's true. <laughs> no, yeah. the, re the reason you can say starving is, remember, I had an older brother, and I had a uh, I had a one bedroom apartment because that's all I could afford. And um, my brother was out of work and I had him come live with me and he lived in my living room. And again, this is my older brother who was the one that was out of work. So, you know, now we were living off, this is not a joke, like top ramen, spaghetti, mac and cheese, whatever you can do, whatever you can do. And um, I had a girlfriend at the time as well. So it was my girlfriend, my brother, myself, all of us in a one bedroom apartment. And, um, I just knew I've got to hustle this. I've got to push. And so I'm the one that told them we had to do 12 models for our final test. And it was a Bob, a graduated Bob, a step Bob. There were, there were level, layered cut, a men's cut, an, a concave. It was all these levels that you had to do. And you had to pass them first in order to get to where you're ready to test all of them out now, like your final test. And I pushed so hard and we were pushed that it was at a time where they interviewed every Thursday every Thursday they interviewed and they would have a line of 30 people out there. And you knew if you're not on your game, on your hustle, you're out. And they gave you, they gave you, if you missed three models, you're fired. No questions asked. No, but, and people were fired left and right. So you knew you had a, had a model. So I would line my models up after work on Saturday, we would go to the department stores and go to the makeup counters and line up our models for a week. And you would always get a backup one that in case someone cancels, are you flexible? Can I plug you in that spot if someone cancels on me? And you would find those things out. It's so different now. My, my team, like you guys have your social media. You have it so they don't get it. Like you don't have to walk up to strangers and say, right. hey, I'm not, I'm not new at this, but I'm going through a program and it's, it's very intense and so forth. But we just hustled and we had to. And I did miss one model at one point and it scares the shit out because you're like, don't want to be fired. But I did it quick. But at the other point at that same time, while I was an assistant, I realized that the company I worked for had their own product line, but they didn't have their own deep conditioner. They would order those high pro packs from the beauty supply. And I would, I approached them once I said, I don't understand why you have your own product line, but you order these high pro packs that are just throwaways from the beauty supply. And this is the treatment that we do on our clients. Why don't you have your own deep conditioner? And they literally said to me, and I was 19, they literally said to me, well, if you want, we'll set you up with a lab. If you want to help us create one. 
I've never done it in my life, but I opened that door by asking that question. I'm like, yeah, I would love to do that because I cook, I'm artistic. I love all those type of things. So I, of course I would love to do it. So they set up an interview. I went and met with the girl at the lab. I'm like, here's what we, here's what we have now. This is our starting ground. Let's make something way better than this, but this is what we're using now. So we started with that and I created something and we launched it and it was called uh, Reconstructor. And it did great. They sold it, added it to their line. And a couple of months later, they came up to me and they said, we're thinking of doing a more natural product line. Would you be interested? And I said, sure, but I just want to know, what will I get out of it? And the irony is I already helped them with the deep conditioner and I got nothing for it other than the recognition and the excitement of doing it. Yeah. So when I posed the question the second time, this time, I'm thinking, well, didn't I already prove that I can do this for you? But I like doing it. I wanted to do it. And I learned from it. So I did it. I did. They didn't force me. I wanted to because I, I was excited about doing it. And in my mind, I hope, let's hope they reward me for this at the end. You know, everyone always asks me, like, how I deal with the internet trolls, like all the listeners who have something to say about the housewives and leave negative comments all day on Instagram. Listen, I have to tell you, I'm really serious when I say that the comments don't bother me at all. And the only reason why is because I've worked on my mental health. I mean, mental and physical health, there's really nothing more important. Because when you work on yourself and you have that clear mind Nothing can bother you. You're comfortable. You're happy inside. And the long-term effects of therapy and working on your mental health really can help strengthen your relationships and give you a more positive outlook on life. And for my mental health, I've turned to Talkspace because, listen, first of all, it's a fraction of the cost of in-person therapy. But really, I love that I can reach out to my therapist and get my therapy and work on myself from anywhere in the world. You don't have to wait for an appointment or go into an office. And their licensed therapists are trained to handle just a variety of specialties. As a listener of this podcast, you'll get $100 off your first month with Talkspace. To match with a licensed therapist today, go to Talkspace.com. Make sure to use code VELVET to get $100 off your first month. That's VELVET and Talkspace.com. I did it and it took probably about a year and they kept pushing me because it was one shampoo, two conditioners that I was developing. And they kept pushing me for it because they just want instant, instant, instant. I'm like, my name is on it. If I'm going to do it, I'll deliver it when it's ready, but I have to be proud of it and I have to be my approval on it. So when it finally came time to launch it, we launched it. And when it came time to meet with them of what I was going to get out of it, you have to realize, and this is a lesson for people in setting their own self-worth. When I first approached it at the beginning, in my mind, I thought, well, maybe I'll get like 15% of it because I don't have to put money up. I'm just, it's my brain and I'm working with the lab. And then as the months went on, I went to like, well, 10, and I it was because I knew them. I knew they were cheap. So in my mind, I'm like, well, maybe 10%. As the year went on, you have to realize I talked myself without dialogue to anybody. I talked myself from 15% to 10 to where uh, I thought, well, if they give me three to 5%, I'd probably be happy. That's in my own head. And we all do this. We all diminish our own self-worth. I don't do it anymore. But back then, I was young and naive and I did. So that was all in my own head. So imagine I went from 15% into my own head. Well, I don't have to put money in. So maybe they'll just do 3 or 5%. So I've gone down that far. Now I go to meet with them. And it's in their, meet their office in Westwood. And we're at the meeting and they slide a paper across the table from me turned upside down. I should have known when they did it that way. I flipped it over and I went from 15% in my head originally down to, they offered me on a contract, a penny 
per bottle for every bottle manufactured. That was like a soccer punch in the face, like very F you. And I'm like, I'm like, you gotta be kidding me. Cause in my head, I'm like, okay, a hundred bottles equals $1. A hundred bottles equals $1. Yeah. How many bottles am I going to get just to get to a thousand dollars as a starving kid? And I'm like, it was such a slap in the face. And I tried to negotiate it and fight it back and forth. Like it is what it is. Cause they had what they needed already. So it was what it was. I'm like, you know what? There's nothing I can do. I signed it. I honestly never even saw that because I didn't fight it because I'm like, it's nothing. It mean it didn't mean anything. I mean, it could sell right. a thousand bottles. What is that? A thousand dollars to me. Yeah. So it, like, it didn't mean anything. So it was a slap in the face. It taught me a lot about them and who they were. And shortly after that, I resigned from it because I had grown from an assistant. I started becoming an educator right away. And then I saw things that need to be changed in the salon. And at the age of 20, I became a man assistant manager. And then they offered me, ironically, they offered me to become a manager of the Century City Salon where I first started, where I didn't want to go. But I thought as a manager, okay, I'll go and do it because they needed to flip it upside down. It was where people could still smoke at their stations. They were still allowed to smoke. They were eating at their stations. And I said, I'll do it under three circumstances. I can hire and let go of whoever I choose, because they were very dictatorial, who you could hire, who you could fire. So I could hire and let go of whoever I chose, no smoking in the salon, and no eating at your stations. And as long as uh, you agree to all those, I'll take it and I'll do it. It was not popular to go and tell people they couldn't smoke, and including clients. Clients and stylists cannot smoke. Because I was not good with smoke. So when my clients wanted to smoke, I would make an excuse to leave and go do something. I'll come back. Let me know when you're done. I'll come back. Imagine working on someone, literally a smoke going right up in your, it was disgusting. I am very so, anti-smoke. So I, I get you. it. I'm just. <laughs> and I have, I have asked, so it's bad. Yeah. So I was able to do that. A lot of people quit immediately because I was a 20 year old kid and many of them were twice my age and more than that. So a lot of them are just like, I am not going to listen to a 20 year old kid. I was very responsible, obviously, because all things I just taught you, told you. But um, some of them quit immediately. Some left open their own salon. Some stayed in listens. Some they hired people that were 50-something, like more than twice my age, and they were very resistant. Um, but all in all, once they saw that what I was coming there to do and create a vibe and an energy and to get it flowing and moving and producing, then they realized and it became a really good thing. And I did that for a couple of years until I finally realized it was the same thing. They didn't pay you to manage. You didn't get paid to manage. It was just a title. And I'm like, give me minimum wage. I don't care. And that was nothing at the time. Give me minimum wage just right. to show me that means something to you. Like it has value to you and they wouldn't do it. So you can only do it for so long because it takes away from building your clientele. It took away when you had to leave for mandatory meetings. And I'm like, I'm losing business in my own chair and I'm managing and you're not even showing me if carries weight or meaning to you or value to you. So I ended up leaving and I went up to the Bel Air salon and when I went there, you realize there's all ex-managers there. And so it was a great, really busy, buzzing salon because they all were managers, had their own clientele and so forth. But as the years went on, they slowly started leaving to open up their own salon 
ones or go well, work elsewhere. And the salon started declining. And I had told them for years that it's the name over the door because you're in Bel Air now, one of the right. richest neighborhoods in California, one of the richest neighborhoods in California. And the name over the door is a chain salon to what these multimillionaires see. And I'm like, you've got to change that name. They are not going to go to what they consider a discount salon. Change the name to anything, tree, branch, any, I made it up, but anything but Carlton and you'll have a successful salon because the people that work here are successful, but they're not sending in people because of the name. And for right. years, I told them that. And when I finally got buzzed that they were thinking of closing the salon, I'm like, oh my God, where am I going to go? And I started looking around. And the irony is that when I went up there and it, I took on management again, because I can't work in a split a space where there's no coffee, there's no music, there's no vibe, there's no energy. So I did take on management again, still not getting paid for it, but I can't work in a space that doesn't have a flow and energy or any consistency. So I took it on again. And then I heard the news that they were thinking of selling it and they offered it to me. And at first, my first answer was, hell no in my mind because you screwed me over a b c d and i can name so many times i screwed over but then i thought about it, i'm like the only reason this salon is not working is because their ego will not allow them to change the name over that door i'm like i can do this i can do this and i i did do it and i changed the name i had no money so i did barely did a little quick fix me up on it i had an opening party and within one month it was buzzing and they lived in the neighborhood. So they would walk by and they're like, how did you do this? What did you do? I'm like, I told you, all you had to do is change that name. And wow. I changed it to Chaz Dean Salon at the time because I was working on my photography. I wanted my name out there. I didn't have my product line, but I wanted my name out there for my photography and recognizable. So I changed it to Chaz Dean Salon. It buzzed and it kept continuing to buzz and get the name out there. And then is where I started my own product line because I'm like, I'm using the products I created for them. I eliminated the shampoo because I don't want shampoo because it strips the hair, strips your color. And my hair was so oily because of the over cleansing and stripping of your scalp. So I immediately stopped ordering the shampoo from them because I still ordered the products that I created for them, but I still ordered the conditioners. And they're like, why do you never order shampoo, but you're always ordering conditioner? And at first I told them like, oh, I don't use shampoo. I gave it up the day I opened the salon because it strips your hair, color goes down the drain, da, da, da. And I named off all the reasons. And they looked at me like I had three heads, like that's fuck. Sorry, can I say after? Yeah, you can okay, say anything you want. That's fucking ridiculous. And then a year or two later, when they realized, hmm, he's never ordering shampoo, he's on to something, they then came back and started asking, wait, wait, what is it he's doing? And I was already creating my own at that time. And I told my styles, don't say anything, because they are ready to, because they were, they became the company that they are, that I created the first three products, is the sexy concept line, big sexy hair. I created their first wow. three products. So they became worldwide multimillionaires over it. And that's where I started. So I created their first three products. So I knew they were going to bulldoze me down with my theory and my concept. Like, don't tell them what we're doing because they're going to they're gonna get there before I can. So I didn't tell them. And I just kept forging ahead until I could launch my own product line. And people did think I was crazy with it. And then probably where you'll get into um, who and how did I get that word out there of no lather is the crazy part. <laughs> Well, yeah, I mean, I was going to ask you, so like you have your own salon, it's in Bel Air, so that's the right location. So how do you go, you know, it's a big salon, it's doing well. So talk to me about when you, I mean, Nicolette Sheridan was your first celeb. So yeah. how did that, she just walked in, someone said. Yeah. 
<laughs> um, as a stylist, anyone that knows, especially try, I was trying to build my photography first. So to build my photography name, you need a celebrity attached because that's you need to get your name out there. So I yeah. started with that. The man who the man who was my manager that taught me also worked there before he left to open his own salon. And so one day he was there and he said, I had worked, watched this show, if you know it, Not Slamming. We had Not Slamming parties. I was I had a crush on her page. I was obsessed with, I'm not obsessed, but I, I mean, beautiful. I'm like, I want that jawline next lifetime. You are beautiful. You're stunning. Um, so she was his client. And one day he couldn't take her and he says, um, you're going to be so happy today. I, do, I can't fit Nicoletta in and she needs to get in for um, highlights and I'm going to have her come to you. And I'm like, and he knew she was my crush. I'm like, oh my gosh. So she came in and she was on Nuts Landing. Her hair was more damaged because of the bleach. And I told her, I don't use bleach. We're going to color it, but I'm not going to use bleach. We're not going to use shampoo. And she thought I was crazy. Looked like I had three heads on my shoulder, but she's like, okay, I'll trust you on this. And I did it. And anyone, if you watch the show back, you can see when her hair went from the fried bleached hair to healthier hair. And people that watched her, like, I noticed it changed. It just, instead of breaking it all, it was full and thick all the way through the hair. And it's like, you saw the difference, but because I turned her onto it, um, her brother was dating Tori Spelling at the time who was on 90210. So I got her off the bleach. So of course she tells her brother, Nick, hey, send Tori in to see Chaz. He's going to tell her she's not going to use shampoo. He's also going to tell her no more bleach. Just trust him. It really works. So Tori came in, got her off the bleach. And I've watched reruns now. I don't watch the show, but I happen to catch them. Like, that's when I was doing their hair. You can tell the difference of when their hair went from dry, damaged, stripped, frill, and broken to there, their hair's healthy. Um, so then she sh sent in Shannon Doherty. Shannon sent in Jenny Garth. Then they sent in Kathleen Robertson. Everyone that was at the show started coming in. Um, and it just trickled down. I also, at the same time, it was like a, it was like a floodgate in an amazing way. Because it's not only is he going to get you off bleach, but he's also going to tell you no more lather. Again, it sounds crazy. Just trust him. It works and you'll see a difference. Then I started getting the girls from ER because my, my friend who sang at my opening party, Alita Adams, get here. Um, her name is Debbie Weisberg. She's name open party. She was a personal assistant for Juliana Margulies, who was on ER at the time. So she sent Juliana to me, and Juliana, with her curls, getting her off the lather was the best thing that happened to her. She then sent Gloria Rubin to me, and a cute story that I love. It's just it's it's great for me because at the time these girls are all buzzing about, oh, are you going to Chaz? Are you going to Chaz? I'm going to Chaz, and they're all at lunch on the set. And literally, they told me they were talking about it one day. And George Clooney, because remember, he was on ER. Yeah. Says, Who the hell is this Chaz you guys are always talking about? So the fact that George Clooney acknowledged me before I was anybody was like, it was really cool. Like him asking, who's this Chaz you're always talking about? Like, oh, this hair sauce, this guy we go to, da, 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 da. So it really became the buzz because it wasn't the norm. Telling people they're never going to lather again. You don't know you don't need to use it once a month or once a week or ever. You're not going to have buildup and all that. It changed everything. So yeah, Nicolette, I give her so much credit on that. And then when I came to Hollywood, Mindy Cohen from Facts of Life, she became my client. And she, when I launched my line, she's like, when you launch this and you're ready to launch this, and we might get to that later, but she goes, I'm going to send it to every celeb I ever worked with. And she, cause she believed in me. So I've had angels along my path and I thank them so much. Did you watch 90210 before Tori came in? I mean, you were a fan of Knott's oh, Landing. I to be honest, I really didn't. No, I'm being honest. I, I didn't watch that show. I watched it That's a little okay. bit. 
when it happened. I know because like people ask me now, like Lisa Rana, I've known her for 26 years, ever before she was on Days of Her Life because she worked at the eyeglass store next to me. And I started that original short hair on her. I haven't, I don't always continue, like she continues with Sally now and so forth and smokes on. But I started that look on her way back when she worked at the eyeglass store before Days of Our Life. And the point of that is, is you asked me something. Oh, do I watch? I watch Beverly Hills Housewives because Lisa's on it. And I know it's become crazier than normal lately, but um, I watch it for that. I support that because of Lisa Renna and so forth. So I sometimes do, I watch the ones that people are, you know, of my clients and so forth, if that helps your answers. So are you saying that you are responsible for giving Lisa this iconic haircut? The original one, yeah. And I'm going to tell you how that happened. I worked at the salon. I was the manager of the salon. I owned the salon. And when she worked in an eyeglass store next door, it was Clayton Franklin. And it was a great store, amazing one. Again, it was Celebrity Haven up there at the time because it was out of nowhere. It's in the middle of nowhere. Celebrities could go up there away from paparazzi and it was really safe. And that's also how I got out of there. Remind me, because it was a Tory Spelling answer and how I, what made me leave there. It was a safe haven for a while until people realized, wow, this is like celebrity haven up here. And it was a great way to capture them. I mean, you would see, I mean, you would see Warren Beatty and Annette Bent. I mean, everyone was, uh, it was crazy. Vanna White was up there because her husband owned a restaurant up there, but all celebs hugged and bugged up there. But the question being is, she came into me one night, she's like, her hair was long. And she's like, I'm thinking of cutting my hair. Well, what would you do if I said, do whatever you want? Da-da. And I said, here's what I would do. And I named it. It was like a shaggy cut, this, this, and that. And this was probably on a Friday or Saturday. I came back to work the next week and she came in and she was, she was sporting hair probably about the length mine is now and says, what do you think? And I'm like, I was shocked that I'm like, wait, you went and did, you asked me what I would do. And then you went and did it. She goes, well, yeah, you're always busy. You're too busy. I don't want to bother you. I'm like, are you kidding me? I'm like, sit down. And I cut it to what I said I would do. So yes, it all started there. And I did. Okay. This is real, real, real hitness here. I might, they might all kill me for this, but all of this comes together. The, the days of Bel Air were crazy because I also had the Gretzkys were my clients as well. Wayne Gretzky being the one and him watching me work on Janet and just hear the things that you would hear because you're like a therapist. He's like, I, Wayne Gretzky told me one day that I want this to be, I want them to do a documentary or do a movie of this. And I want it, Wayne Gretzky said, I want to play Chaz Dean because they tell you everything. You hear everything. I'm like, Fucking Wayne Gretzky said he wants to be Chaz Dean. Like, you're the one. He's like, yeah, they, they tell you here everything. I'm like, yeah, but it has to stay here. What's said here stays here. So the point is, is remember now, Nicolette was my first celebrity client. Mick, Nicolette, when she ended up meeting Harry Hamlin and marrying Harry Hamlin, Harry Hamlin became my client as well. When they broke up, because um, Kenny G and Lindy were her friends and they were our clients as well. So they were all friends. When it all broke up, and you know what happened, I'm not going to rehash what it was, but when they broke up, it was this vicious cycle, but Lisa was my client, Harry was my client, and Nicolette was. When Lisa and Harry started dating, um, it became too close for comfort because they started dating, and Lisa was in my chair at the time, and Nicolette walked in. And you can imagine, that was when Real Housewives really started. So I lost all of them then because it was uncomfortable and none of them want that to happen. So it works against you. So they all went somewhere else because they don't want to walk in and have, it was an uncomfortable situation. So I lost all of them at the time because they all just like, can't do this anymore. Um, 
So wow. I'm friends with all of them still. And it, it'll come up later with the Jeff and Gage thing. It's like, I'm in the middle. I'm Switzerland. I'm not on this side. I'm not on that side. I can't disown you because of what happened here. And I can't disown you because of what happened there. What you guys have amongst each other is not fair. Like friends that do that to people, that's wrong. Stop doing that, friends. What you have amongst someone else or against someone else, that's between you. Don't throw other people into that. And that's what I'll say. That'll probably come up later if we hit Jeff. <laughs> I could not agree with you more. I mean, yeah. I'm in the middle of 800 housewives myself over here in New York and New Jersey. I'm like, your, en your enemy is not my enemy. So Thank until you. this person does wrong to me, I'm not cutting the following 12 people out of my life. What sign are you? Gemini. Okay. Okay. We have, which you're about, my mom and dad, my mom was a Gemini. I have, I have so many Geminis that work for me, but yeah, mine's a Leo and that's loyalty. And it's like, you can't, I'm not breaking my loyalty because of what you have and whatnot. So that'll probably come up later maybe, but yeah, so that was that. So I did lose them then. And part of the question of that was, I forgot what opened that up, but it's, um, oh, that's how it's like, she, she did. She then went to Jonathan Anton, which he and I worked together at the beginning as well. He worked at the Bel Air salon as well. She started going to him. Harry started going on them every once in a while um i would work on them or she definitely brought the girls to me when i opened my salon in hollywood um part of it as well as when delilah was five um it was a saturday and i got a call from Heron. he's like delilah had a play day at a friend's house and they decided to cut each other's hair and delilah ended up on the really short end of the stick and he's like i need you here in emergency will you please help me out of this before lisa gets home she's gonna kill me and so I showed up and remember Delilah had hair like down the middle of her back at the time I got there and some of it was down the middle of her back still but up in her crown I don't know how the girl didn't cut her scalp it was to her scalp not like short but like scalp all the way down to here and I got there I'm like how the hell am I going to salvage this without shaving the girl's head so I did everything I can I gave her the shaggiest shag in the world and I'm not joking the shaggiest shag in the world and it looks good, but it's like, it's, it's all I could do. Cause I went, it went from nothing to hair. So it ended up being a, probably about some similar to my length, but really shaggy. And she was five at the time. And so as it grow in, they just let it grow for a while. And then I would trim it. And we just kept, we kept that. I have so many photos of that. I had adult women coming in, calling it the Delilah. Adult women knew that haircut. And as it grew in, it was, I'll post it, I'll post it as a memory, but it's like, I had adult women saying, I want the Delilah. And they all knew the story that it turned out from a kid cutting another kid's hair. And it was, she became famous for that until now she grew it long. And she's, I mean, now it's long hair and so forth, but she, it, she was famous at that at five years old for her hair becoming the Delilah shag. It's wow. adorable. I have so many photos. There. I'll, I'll post them because it's adorable. And it's funny. I ran in, I, I see her often, but at charities and stuff, she's like, oh my gosh, I, like, I haven't cut her hair in a while, honestly, because their life happens, mine happens. I'm out at QVC, life gets busy and whatnot. But I've known them since before. I've known her mom before they were born. So I've known them their whole lives and whatnot. So they're great girls. They really are. And they are very grounded considering all that they're around. They're very grounded. I'm very proud of Lisa and Harry for the girls that they've raised because they're very responsible girls and they've been giving and like Project Angel Food, an example, they've been doing that since they were ch ch kids and it, they're not jaded by it. They respect it and their minds are in the right place. So I give them so much credit for how they've raised them. And how did people know about this Delilah Shag? Because like it was before, in, they just knew they saw a picture somewhere. It was, <laughs> yeah, you're right. It was. It was before, because it was pictures that on cameras, not cell phones, because she's 20 now, so it was over 15 years ago. Yeah, um, she's 21, I think. So yeah, it was at least 16 years ago or more. 
um, yeah, they would come in. They knew because you heard the story, like the story going, on, oh, my gosh, did you hear what happened to the island? Da, da, da. And yeah, it's I, ha- I don't have it here. It's at this line. But That's it's adorable. She's so gorgeous. And literally have adults coming in like, I want the Delilah tag. It became a thing. It was like the Jennifer Aniston now cut. You know, I, I want the Rachel. It was, I yeah. want the And it was so many adults. I'm like, Lisa, you don't realize how many trends she set with that Delilah. So it was really cool. And go- that's amazing. Going back to this day when Lisa was in your chair and Nicolette, wa- what Nicolette just walked in out of like without an appointment just to say. Well, yeah, because that's normal up there. It's an, it was, yeah. it's how my salon is now. People come in, just say hi. It's, it, it's like a living room. And my salon is that way. And my salon is like a sanctuary. You come by or when you're done your appointment, you'll catch them there reading a book or just chilling. Like kind of like people do at Starbucks, kind of did at Starbucks. Yeah. Just there for, to be there. Kind of that element, like you're not in a rush to leave because it's like such a safe haven. So up there, it was just people always popped in and just da-da-da-da-da. Um, yeah, I, I do have to share one story as well, because because it's such a safe haven up there. Um, so Nicolette did just walk in like, hey, Jazz, how you doing? Like, oops, awkward, bad. Um, my aunt, who passed away, unfortunately, in May, um, not COVID, but unfortunately in May, she'd had a fall and passed away. My Aunt Phyllis, who was my godmother as well. She used to come and visit me. And Lisa Renna was my client. She was on Days of Our Life at the time. And she's like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh, do you think I could? I'm like, yeah. But, and she knew she was there. And I said, just don't ask for autographs. I just don't want her to feel attacked. I'll get it for you. Just don't. So she goes, okay, okay. And I know my aunt, my aunt is wild and crazy. She was my wild, crazy aunt. So Lisa comes out of the restaurant. She walks by and I call her and, hey, come here. I want to introduce her. This is my aunt Phyllis. This happened twice. And I have to give you a second one as well. It was even crazier. Um, she calls her in and I say, oh, this is my aunt Phyllis. She goes, the first thing she asks, can I get your autograph? I'm like, I just asked you not to do that. Right. Okay, so that was the first time. Second time is crazier because someone who I had a crush on as well, Jacqueline Smith from Charlie's Angels. She is beautiful today. She's gorgeous. She is. I she don't is. think she's had work done. If she has, girl, you've done it right because you look, you look amazing. She doesn't look pulled tight, nothing. Yeah, seriously. If she has, she's done it right. And she's Jose's uh, client as well. But she was up there and she was with one of our clients and their daughters, her daughters are our clients, but I had not met Jacqueline yet. I didn't know Jacqueline. I knew her friend. So my aunt Phyllis was there with her husband and she sees Jacqueline Smith and she was over the moon. And I said, okay, stop. And she's so plotting that she went to a restaurant and she tells her husband, okay, you go down by that suit. Cause there was a sushi restaurant next to it. You go down there. And when she comes out, you just walk really slowly and I'll take, I'll take video. Like it's you're with her. I'm like, no, 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 no. You're not going to do that. Cause you, she was plotting on how I'm going to do this. Right. So the irony is she's waiting and waiting. And we were waiting for like an hour for me to finish, but she was waiting for her to come out of the restaurant. All of a sudden, Dom, her husband, goes in the restroom. And as soon as he did, she comes out of the restaurant. And I hear my aunt saying, my aunt was crazy. I love you, Aunt Phil. She was wacky, crazy, crazy, fun-loving. And she's like, excuse me, little girl. She's yelling out my salon door to the the daughter. Excuse me, little girl. And her daughter, who's 13 at the time, turns around. She goes, yes. She goes, do you think your mom would mind if I take a picture of her? And I, you hear her daughter saying, mommy, this lady wants to take a picture of you. Is that okay? And she goes, she's very lighthearted. She's so sweet. She really, really, really is. And very compassionate, Jacqueline Smith. 
She says, sure, fine. My Aunt Phyllis comes out and I'm standing there. I was like, oh my God, please just kill me. And right. the last thing I want her to do is her to know she has anything to do with me. And next thing I hear her saying, oh yeah, my nephew owns a salon. Chaz and I'm like, no, please shut up, stop. So then I'm like, fuck. So I go out there to try to bring it down. And I see her with Jacqueline. She literally says, can I take a picture of you? She has this big old camera in front of her. And Jacqueline's just there like posing for her to take a picture. And then all of a sudden you hear Jacqueline say, is that a video camera? She's like, yeah. So not a picture, but she's videotaping her. I'm like, oh my God, just shoot me. So I go out and then I, I say, I'm so sorry. I apologize. Da, da, da. She was fine with it. But the next thing you know, Jacqueline Smith standing here. My Aunt Phyllis is next to her. My Aunt Phyllis picks up her camera again and starts filming it. And Jacqueline turns and it's right in her face. I'm like, I am going to kill you. I'm going to kill you. So it's like, that's family. You, you, you know, yeah. you choose your friends. You don't choose your family. But um, yeah, I don't, I, that just came up because of, I don't know why. It's just a story. I always tell people, I'll get you autographs. I'll get you pictures. Just please give them the respect because you don't want them to bombard them with. Yeah. I mean, that makes sense while they're getting their hair done. <laughs> Are you, what, so, I mean, how did you connect? Were you, were you upset, like, when you lost, like, Rinna and Hamlin and Nicolette? Like, was that, like, your first celebrity I, faux pas, so to speak? Yeah, I, I had, then I had so many more. It was, I right. had, I, there were so many more. I still did, and Nicolette and I still remained friends, but it was, like, it wasn't, she didn't know, and again, she didn't know who would be there. Or it was uncomfortable. I mean, I, if the stories I could share with you from there, I mean, I can say, I'll give you an example because it's housewife shit. I, I had a client who was mine who had her husband. She was wealthy, wealthy, wealthy. No one will know who it is. And I'm not saying, but she was, she was, had two kids. She was pregnant with her third, found out that her husband was cheating with his secretary, left her while she was pregnant, married the secretary, all of them were clients in our salon, lost them for the same reason. And then years later, the one that he left the secretary did the same thing to her. And I'm like, when a man catches a man in a certain way, to think that that's not going to happen, and I won't say who it was, but to, not, to think that's not going to happen to you, shame on you. Because how you get them is the same way you're going to lose them. And I don't oh know my. how people do others. You're not that special that, oh, I mean, it happens to... And speaking of, Marla Maples became my client when that divorce happened. Actually, that's a good one that I do want to share. Because she became my client when that divorce happened. And she was not allowed to cut her hair. I mean, not allowed. So the first thing we did, I gave her the shortest, cutest little little shag. Not even a shag, a short crop cut. She rocked it for a long while, but it was her to that. Um, and yeah, and Tiffany. Tiffany was like five at the time. So when she, Marla Maples came to you, she said, I am not allowed, I've not been allowed to cut my hair for all these years. Yeah, let's do it. Let's do it. Yeah, let's do it. I'm like, let's do it. And we did a photo shoot. She celebrated, because I was still doing my photography. I did my photo shoots with Nicolette. I mean, all of my shot, Lisa and Harry's wedding. I wasn't their photographer, but I, I was a photographer. So I shot their wedding and gave them that as the gift and so forth uh, for Lisa and Harry. But yeah, I did a photo shoot with her and Tiffany and all that. Um, yeah, I, just I mean, had more free time on my hands than now. I don't even, I can't even find the time to shoot my labels that I have to shoot, but I had more free time because that was before when even. 
I mean, I know we're in more modern times now, but I don't even understand what not being allowed to cut your hair looks like. Like, is there a contract or just like my husband won't let me cut my hair? Like that's- Actually there, there probably would be a contract there. But I also am the person here. I've been, and I love that you just said that because I've been that way from day one. When I would have women sit in my chair that my husband doesn't want my hair short. My husband doesn't want my hair dark. My husband doesn't want my hair blonde. Whatever it was, it was usually they don't want it short and they don't want it dark. I'm like, well, then you know what? You tell your husband to grow his hair and blonde up his hair because I don't agree with that. I don't. It's I never have. And it's taking away from someone and shame on them. But again, they allow them to do that. And I try to empower them on that um, with that element. And the other thing I would do to people is so many people would sit in my chairs that hated their jobs and unhappy with their jobs and miserable jobs. Like I would tell them, I cannot imagine. I said, I love my job. And the, the day the, when the day comes that I regret going to work or not want to go to work, it's time to make a change. And I said, I don't know how you can get up every day and go to work of a job that you're miserable with and you hate. And I said, well, I got to support my family. I'm like, well, guess what? You're not meant to do it with something you hate. You need to find what your passion is and find that. And that's where you find it. And I would, they were like, I don't even know. I'm like, yeah, you do. I'm like, close your eyes. And this is what I do to a lot of people. Close your eyes. Tell me right now without thinking, because when you think thought gets into it and everything else, close your eyes, tell me, what is it you want to do? I want to be a chef. I want to be a designer. I want to be this. I'm like, that's what you need to be doing. Cause that's where you're going to find your success doing this and pushing this and doing that and being miserable and hate it. You are not going to find your dream and your success. And I've done that with a lot of people and people, I remember even one guy that wasn't my client. I told him he like, wanted to be a chef. He's like, oh my God, my family would kill me. I'm like, no, you're not. You're doing them a disservice because you're not happy. And the reason yeah. I can say that, and this is honest, I grew up with a dad who did it to pay the bills. He didn't like, he worked for Prudential. He was in computer analyst. He did not, there was never, did he love his job or like his job? He did it to pay the bills. And I saw that. My mom was a school bus driver for, it was always physically and mentally challenged. And I'm not trying to be unpolitical because I don't know the right way to put it, how I grew up what it was. They were physically handicapped or mentally challenged is what she drove for. So I'm not trying to do a disservice. I just want to use the politically correct term now, but she drove for uh, the bus for them. And we would go to their houses for dinner. They would come to ours. She opened up her eyes and made us appreciate what we had. And even though she did grunt work, she, we were in Pennsylvania. She would have to get up at four in the morning, go put snow chains on her tires. She worked her ass off, but she at least enjoyed what she was doing is what's crazy. Because uh. her payback, what she got from those kids. And she, I remember she would, play, she would play on her bus all the time and sing to the kids, joy to the world, all the boys and girls. She would, she would sing that and come home singing that. So she at least loved what she was doing. And it was hard work. My dad didn't. And it just made me realize I am not going to grow up doing something that I either resent or hate. Or it's you live one, this life once. You have one chance to do it, do it right. So if you're doing something you don't love, you can't say you're doing it for that. You need to dig down deep. What is your passion? What is your love? And it will find its way. Through COVID, people had found passions and have been mm -hmm. successful through COVID when they have not been able to do what it is. So it re I believe that. So it's things I've tried to empower my clients to sit in my chair. That as well as if your husband wants long hair, tell him to grow his hair long then. Do you tell your husband how to wear his hair? But again, if you do kind of shame on you, you should let him wear it how he wants to. So yeah, I love that you're the same way that you're obviously one and no one's going to tell me how to people have people have um ideas of my hair i like your hair better short i like it better long i'm like i like it both ways there's times i love it long there's times i hate it long but i know once i cut it then i have to grow it again if i want so it's like it's a love hate some days i love it other days i uh and it's uh, there's choices and it's no one should tell you how you should 
either dress, wear your hair, do your any of that stuff. If it doesn't work for them, then move along or just ignore it, whatever it is. Other than her hair, did Marla Maples tell you anything like, here are all the reasons why I'm happy to be in your chair cutting my <laughs> hair and why I'm happy to be single? She got the short, she got a very short end of the stick is all I'm going to say. She did not, she did, she's not going to end up from what we've heard this one is. Um, this one, you know, you, you probably heard what I've heard that she would not go to Washington unless things were signed. Marla did not get that deal is all I'll say. Yeah. Mar you got to realize Marla's came after, Marla's came after Ivanka. 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 I mean, Ivana, sorry. Wait, is it Ivanka or Ivana? Ivana. 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 I mixed yeah. it up. Yeah, she came after that. So she took him, I believe. So he like slammed the brakes and whatnot. I don't know how, and I couldn't even ask her to say, what the fuck were you? Sorry. And this may go wrong with a lot of people, but I do not. I mean, you get the only one reason, but that didn't even work. Um, well, I it's like people say, you know, people tell their bartenders and their hair stylists everything. I know some things I can't, I know, I know something. I just know he is, he is what we think he is. He's a, he is what he thinks he is. Meaning uh, it's, it's, it's all, it's all ego. It's all that. It's all. And I love her and we're still friends. I don't see her all the time. I started a fashion show last, I think it was February when we were in New York. She yeah, I was at, the, it was the Zang Toy fashion show because yeah, I was yeah. there. I yeah. said hi to you. Yeah, well, and I'm Mar sorry. And no, Wait, you, your hair was different. Don't pretend. Yeah, I think you were lighter. Or something. Listen, I don't. Ex I mean, I, I'm. I don't expect you to remember. I mean, a million people. But I but really do. You seem very familiar to me. And now, when you just said that, I'm like, I do remember. I promise. I, I don't pretend I do if I don't. But your hair wasn't this dark. I remember that. Yeah, it was probably lighter, and different. See? Now but I really remember. <laughs> I, I'm not putting you on blast, but Marla was there too, and then I was backstage after because I know Zhang Toy, and Marla's like the nicest person possible. She really is. Like she literally. Really is. literally. Yeah, ask her, what were you thinking then? And actually, we did fashion show for Zeng Toy like uh, 20 plus years ago, way back when, when I was, before when was out. So it had to be more than 20 years ago. Okay, what were you going to say? Well, no, I was going to say, so, okay, that's that. But what about like the 90210, like, you know, you had Tori and Jenny and Shannon. And like, we all know that like at that point, Shannon had her, you know, they all had issues with Shannon. And Je like, did you hear any, did you know anything? Thanks for tuning in to our part one sit down with Chaz Dean. And stay tuned for part two. We'll talk more about 90210. What happens when you have Tori, Shannon, and Jenny as your clients? And we all know Jenny and Shannon back in the day didn't exactly get along. And yes, we do talk about flipping out. Jeff, Gage, Jenny. Jeff and Jenny, they're no longer friends. Gage and Jeff, they're no longer dating. We go there, guys. Stay tuned for part two of our sit down. With Mr. Chaz Dean. Thanks for listening to yet another episode of Behind the Velvet Rope. Because without you listeners, I would just be a crazy person with voices in my head. And if you like what you hear, subscribe, subscribe, subscribe on Apple Podcasts under Behind the Velvet Rope. And when you're done subscribing, feel free to leave a five-star write-up review because the write-up reviews actually count. We read each and every one of them. We post the best ones and the reviews really help our shows keep going. And we really appreciate everything you guys say, especially the positive ones. And if you want to find us online, we're at Behind Velvet Rope on Instagram. We are at David Yontef on Instagram. We're behind The Velvet Rope on Apple Podcasts. 
or head on over to Patreon because you know what? There are just some things we can't talk about here. So for our bonus episodes, go to Patreon and type in Behind the Velvet Rope. And if you still aren't sick of me and you want more David, go to Cameo and book me on Cameo. And you can ask me anything there. I'll answer whatever you want. And I have a bargain basement price of $10. Thank you guys. See you soon.